Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Hashtag Leadership, What's On Your Mind? Remember, we're a podcast to make you stop and think about your leadership journey by speaking to amazing people with amazing stories and experts in their field. So 20 minutes to add value and get you further on in your leadership journey. So if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel and you hit follow on your podcast provider. So today we are speaking to Saras. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Stuart. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Um, I'll give you a quick introduction of how I know um, Surat. Is one of my ex-RF colleagues has worked for you. That's how you initially came on my radar. But through the the wonderful tool of LinkedIn, um, uh, you're you're an avid content um, producer and talking about leadership all the time. And since our hundredth episode, a lot of our listeners have said like the real raw stories of the roller coaster of leadership journeys and i know that you've gotten a great story and also from a sector that we've not talked um a lot about as well in the, in the tech industry so um let's get going i'm gonna hit the 20 minute timer and um, could you introduce yourself for the people who don't know who you are let's go yeah absolutely uh, thank you as i said Stuart. leadership is a subject that's quite close to my heart and um, uh, my name is Sarat Pederedla. I am the CEO and co-founder of a digital product studio, a tech company uh, called Hedgehog Lab. Um, Hedgehog Lab is a, is, a, is a UK tech company. It started in the UK, but it's a global organization. And we predominantly help a lot of our customers on their digital journeys, really. So whether you want to build an app or a website or, or, or any digital product, we, we kind of help them go, go on that journey. We work with brands all across the world, working with, you know, Fortune 500, FTSE 250 brands. Uh, but although we work in tech, my passion really in terms of the job that I do and, and my role in the organization as it grows is very much about really thinking about not just my leadership, but how both Hedgehog Lab can be that kind of, you know, uh, leader in the space in terms of what we're doing, but actually developing people. Uh, high performance teams is one of my passions and I spend most of my time doing that. Amazing. And, and we've got to fit all this into 20 minutes. I love yeah. the challenge, though. I love the challenge. Yeah. So let's start with the questions. Obviously, we're hashtag leadership. What's on your mind? And what comes to your mind when you just hear the word leadership? Uh, really good question. Um, for me, I think leadership, one of the fundamental things that I believe in, and, and actually there's a great book called Turn the Ship Around, uh, it was actually written by, uh, you know, I guess uh, an ex-Navy uh, general. He's been and on the podcast in, as well, just to uh, <laughs> in there. We've had him on the podcast, so I'll, oh, I'll that is, link in. <laughs> that's, that, that is brilliant. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'd be star, starstruck and maybe I should listen to that episode. And, 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 you know, really, you know, for me, I read that, I think, you know, quite, quite a while ago. And this idea of servant leadership, I think, you know, for me, and the reason I talk about high performance teams is leadership, I think, is about facilitating great, talented people to do the best work of their life. Um, and if you look at the traditional Ford, you know, going to back to the, you know, late, late 19th century, early 20th century, leadership and management was very much about control. It was about micromanagement. It was about systems. It was about factories, et cetera. But for me, leadership is very much about, you know, I guess, be, almost don't see it as being a leader. It's, I, I look at it more as an orchestrator or a facilitator. It's a person that is really kind of there to help 
a, a team of people, a bunch of people really kind of do the best work of their life and, and really offering them uh, the, the mentoring, the coaching, the support, the tools, etc. So I, I look at myself more as a conductor and orchestrator rather than a boss, because I think the traditional thinking of leadership is it's, it's about hierarchy, it's about seniority, it's about um, you know, being uh, an experienced person. And, and ironically, I think my leadership journey started when I was quite young uh, without, without any seniority or, 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 and actually I was one of the most junior members in that team. Um, and I think that shows the point that this isn't necessarily about being a manager or about being a general or being a, a president or a prime minister. I think it's about, you know, the, the traits and the type of things that you do enable people to be the best version of themselves really yeah i like the orchestra reference there as well because that uh, it gives a good picture doesn't it in your mind that you've got a lot of things and you're the person that's just helping and assisting and that coaching and facilitating something that i say from my military background is is my expertise facilitation so i love that and um, you nearly went on to the next question which i love staying with you personally um, tell me a little bit more about where your leadership journey started. So whether it's on reflection now, I've asked you about it, or was there a light bulb moment at the time? And, and how far back is that foundation? Yeah, no, I, I have thought about this a lot because, you know, I guess it goes to the root of what is leadership. And I talk a lot about leadership. And again, you know, the, the, the accepted principle about leadership is you've got to be, you know, someone in my position now, having done this for 20 years, um, you know, talking about it on LinkedIn, being a thought leader to, to, to really be a leader. But actually, uh, my, my earliest reflection of leadership was, you know, one, when I was 24, and I had a job, which was very much, I was an engineer, and I used to be a software developer, and I was involved in, 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 in a job. Um, and I was just at the, at the lowest rung, right? I was, you know, if you think about the different orders, I was just a developer, which is just kind of the doer of the work. Um, and I remember that what you know while I was doing the work, I could see you know the team had a lot of dynamics. You know this was in two thousand and four five, and there was a lot of challenges that the team was going through. You know it was in a time where the business was growing really fast. Um, there was a bunch of people that got together, and technically, ironically, we didn't have a lot of leadership um, in the team. So everybody was a bit disorganized. Everybody was a bit you know unhappy. Um, with, with all the blockers that they had. And I actually took it upon myself. And there was a very particular example where we were really struggling to manage our work. And everybody, you know, you'd get together in the pub or you'd finish work or you'd get together for lunch. And that's all you would hear everybody complain about. And this is really difficult. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to keep track of this. You know, the systems we've got just don't work. You know, we were trying to use an Excel sheet that didn't really shine, et cetera. Um, and, and, and I heard all of these problems, but what, when, I was looking, when I was looking at people, I got the perspective that everybody was looking to everybody else to solve the problem. So they were all clever people. They all had solutions and they, they, they would say, if only we did this, if only we did this. And I, and, and I listened to all of that and I thought, well, we could solve this. So I just literally went in without, you know, we didn't have company approval or whatever. I went and used my credit card and signed up to a project management system and, and got the team on that on the Monday. And it was transformational for them. It was like, wow, you know, like this is this kind of solves all the problems of how we're going to manage our work, et cetera. And, and like I said, it wasn't necessarily a unique solution. You know, everybody knew what needed to be done, but 
everybody thought it was everybody else's job to do it. And for me, leadership is about taking accountability and ownership for that solution. And I think, you know, really, and the reason I did it wasn't necessarily because, you know, I could do it better than somebody else. I probably wasn't the most qualified to do some of that work, um, but it was because I was listening to these pain points that the team had. And, you know, I felt a sense of duty and responsibility to try and solve their problem, although it wasn't in my job role or it wasn't what was being asked of me. Yeah, I love that. And it, and again, you kind of, yeah, you said that it's not big things, is it? It's a, almost a change of mindset. And it, as you were talking then, it, it reminded me of that be solution focused rather than problems and focus on the issues. And sometimes people don't realize they're stuck in that. Um, but love that. Thank you so much. So we ask guests now to think about a, an impact moment on your leadership journey, whether it was a, an occasion, an event, um, or it was a person that had a, a big impact on your leadership journey to date, um, whether positive or negative. So, so what would you choose is a big impact on your leadership journey? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So even when you talk about leadership and, I'll, and this one, I'll talk about, you know, being the CEO, then, you know, obviously I went through that journey. I founded my own company quite young at 26. And, you know, I, I kind of fell into the leadership role and the CEO role because there was nobody, I mean, I founded the company and I kind of had to do it. <laughs> and I think, and I think the first, the first kind of like, you know, I guess a defining moment for me came. So I'd, I'd set up a company, I'd hired two, three young people and, you know, they were doing really well. I was really passionate about building a place. And actually, you know, if you look at Hedgehog Lab's purpose, uh, the purpose of the organization is to create a place that empowers people to do the best work of their life. So I really believed in the mission of the organization. And when, obviously, when you're a small organization, when you're three or four people, you're living everything like, you know, it's almost a family feel, although I don't believe that, you know, companies or teams should ever be families. But it's that feel of, you know, that little, that little organization. And really, the first movement that kind of really started to get me impacted my leadership journey was... I built this team, you know, everybody was happy, everything was going well. And six months in, one of, the, one of my team members came in and said, uh, he's handing his notice in. Um, and it was really difficult for me. It was probably, you know, it was a difficult time while I was setting the organization up. You know, you're trying to do a startup, you're trying to scale a small business. And I took it pretty badly, really. I really took it personally. I, you know, I, I was not talking about negative it was probably the lowest moment of my leadership career instead of you know as I am now being mature about it trying to understand I was really petty and I, and I treated that person pretty horribly actually um when you were in the moment and when I did that I didn't necessarily really reflect on that you know reflect on that etc um, but what happened was after that episode ended and after the person finished their notice etc, um, I was oblivious to obviously my behavior and what I said and what I did. Uh, you know, I said, do you want to catch up for a coffee? Um, and, and, and the kindest thing happened, this person instead of, you know, saying, look, I've just burned the bridges, et cetera. He actually met me for a coffee and he said, look, I want to give you some feedback on, on this experience that we went through. And, you know, turns out he didn't leave necessarily because there's anything wrong with Hedgehog Lab, as is the case with most people, you know. Um, he left because there was an opportunity that was presented to him that he needed to take. And, you know, it's a natural career progression, but I was so immature and naive 
that I took it as a personal affront. You know, I, I said stuff to him like, um, you, you know, I cannot believe you're doing this to me. You know, just all the immature, um, you know, young leader, uh, you know, and stuff. And, and, and that session of feedback that he, that he gave me in terms of just getting me to reflect and listen, you know, which by the way, I didn't even think I was capable of because I thought when I went to that feedback session, I thought I'd be quite defensive and I'd be quite aggressive and say, uh, you know, I don't believe your perspective on this. And it was, it was, a, and this person was a young person. So he wasn't necessarily like, you know, a mentor or, or, or an older wiser person. That feedback really made me reflect and pause and kind of think about the type of leader I wanted to be. And, and really started my journey in terms of what what leadership should mean. And in fact, you know, one of the things he did say to, say, say to me on that was, look, there might've been a world under which I might've come back to Hedgehog Lab in, you know, in a year or whatever, depending on how this experience went. I just felt like I need to get the experience. But, you know, he said, I've lost faith in you as a leader because of that experience and the way you treated me. And I thought that was that was kind of a quite an important awakening moment where I thought, is this the type of leader I want to be? Because I came out of a business saying, I don't want to be that type of leader. I don't want to, you know, because I kind of knew what bad looked like. But until somebody put a mirror up to me and reflected that point, um, you know, I didn't really realize that I was also going on that kind of bad leadership journey, really. Wow, what what a great story about the importance of getting feedback. Not necessarily, it was almost a bit like a sliding door moment that, wasn't it? It mm. would have quite easily not happened. Mm. You wouldn't have had that um, awakening or realisation until later on in your uh, journey as well. So Absolutely. tell us a little bit about, obviously, these challenges. We've not had anybody really from, uh, from a tech. We've had a couple of people in tech, but not um, in your sort of founder tech company. Yeah. I'm really interested to... Tell us a little bit about the the roller coaster rise of of being a tech founder. Like, what what does it look like? Because um, I'm still in that. A lot of the companies we work with, and I sort of we had a chat before about being a bit more traditional companies, senior leadership mm -hmm. teams. Um, mm -hmm. What's it look like in a tech world? Growing, growing a business, being people focused. Um, it's the modern world. We're going to maybe talk about digital leadership after this. What's it look like in a tech fund company? Yeah, I think the fundamental thing I'd say is tech leadership is no different to traditional leadership, you know, whether you're running a factory, whether you're running a, um, you know, travel company, whether you're running a train service, etc. And I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, that people tend to think, you know, if you're a tech leader, you know, you're elevated to a different level because they think, oh, you know, you're digitally savvy, etc. But actually, I would say 90% of the problems in, in a tech company are people problems, right? Um, in fact, it, we are a different type of tech company in that we're a tech services company as opposed to a tech products company. Because we don't manufacture products, you know, we, we work with customers and we provide services. And almost all of this is down to people. You know, our business model is based on hiring people. Our business model is based on selling people skills and time. So every single problem, whether it comes to recruitment, whether it comes to retention, whether it comes to high performance operations, et cetera, all comes down to people. And, you know, I'd almost argue, I mean, I remember a few years ago, there was somebody that said, oh, look, you know, like, I think he worked in construction or something like that, where he's like, oh, you guys have got it easy in tech because, you know, like you don't really need to manage difficult people. 
And I laughed and I thought, you know, people are people. It doesn't matter whether you're in construction, whether you're in, you know, um, uh, any other industry. And actually, because in tech, there is a real dearth of talent in the industry, people in tech have a lot more options. So actually, the expectation, the bar for what they want out of leadership is much higher rather than lower. And, and like I said, almost every single problem, you know, when I sit and discuss things with the, with the team, I would say about, you know, out of the eight hours I work every day, six to eight, seven hours are, are, are people problems, people mm. issues, you know, and, and, and that's really where, where, where tech leadership, I think, has to shine. If you can't get the high performance teams and the people stuff sorted, it doesn't matter how good you are as an engineer. It doesn't matter if you know all the technology, if you're process oriented, et cetera, you've got to really nail the people stuff. Yeah, I love that. And, and that leads on to my, my question that we're going to sort of probably finish off on as well is the, the, what does digital leadership look like in the future? Because it's kind of like you've been in that world before COVID, before the three years that were passed. Um, there's a lot of cultures, there's a lot of businesses going like, we really need to heavily invest in our people now. And we are spread out. We're using a lot more tech than we ever have done with working from home models. Um, how do we communicate better with our people that they're further away and not around the water cooler now or in the, in the staff canteen? What sort of things have you been doing successfully in your organisation that can really start helping others think about a digital leadership moving forwards? Great question. So the two things I would say that really make your digital journey as a leader successful, ironically, have nothing to do with technology or digital. And the two <laughs> things I would say is psychological safety and trust. Um, so as a great example, you know, you talked about, you know, I, I had a lot of customers and people in my network who really struggled to go remote when the pandemic hit. And a lot of the time, the diagnosis of why they struggled to go remote was, oh, our teams didn't have laptops or, you know, we, we didn't have the equipment that was capable of doing that, or there was no broadband. And actually, when you dive into the deeper issues, because they didn't trust the teams to work from home, you know, they didn't have practices that effectively allowed psychological safety for team members to say, look, you know, I don't think I can work from home because, you know, I don't have a comfortable chair or a table, etc. And so a lot of the problems I've seen in terms of what the pandemic has introduced has not been about technology per se. Actually, it's easy enough to go out and buy 10 laptops and give it to your team. It's much more difficult to trust them to use that laptop wisely, to do the work that they're expecting to do when you can't look over their shoulder, et cetera. So for me, I think the truly successful organizations that have succeeded in digital leadership have really put trust and psychological safety at, at, at the top of their things. Whether it comes to policies, you know, you create policies that are human friendly, whether it comes to working practices. So, you know, I've heard horror stories about employers using like a key loggers and like screenshot tools, which take a screenshot of your employee's laptop every five minutes so you can monitor what they're doing. And the reality is, and these are not small businesses, by the way, these are big international big businesses. And the reality is what that shows is a fundamental lack of trust and psychological safety. So, you know, you can have all the technologies and I could give you a 10 page white paper on how best to set up your teams and uh, what software to use, et cetera. 
But all of that, I don't think, will supersede the fact that you've got to be able to have fundamental trust and safety in your team. Yeah, and that leads me on to ask about your sort of like best practice of like what you're doing as an organization in, in the last minute we've got. Um, some little, give me some examples of how you've built that culture of high performance and success in what you're doing as a company. So the first thing is we have a feedback culture. So this is where, you know, I said you can have technology and we have good technology that allows us to give feedback that is open and honest and everybody gets to see it. You know, whether it's critical feedback, which is one to one, you know, we never share critical feedback publicly uh, or whether it's praise, which is public, you know. So we really encourage the system where, you know, you get timely recognition based feedback. So it isn't about superlatives. It isn't about you're an amazing person. We try and try and, you know, give feedback on the work rather than on the person because it's not about individualizing. Uh, the second thing is having flexible working policies that are humanistic. You know, I use the word humanistic because the whole point of the flexible working policy has to be around centered around the person rather than around what's right for the company, et cetera. So we, we were just, you know, ranked by Flexer as one of the most flexible, um, you know, employers in the UK. And those are examples, I think, of putting into practice the ideas of trusted psychological safety. And like you said, there's a bunch more which we won't be able to cover in 20 minutes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, do you know what? Thank you so much. That That's our time it's done. We managed to get a lot in there. We were a bit worried at the start. So, uh, Surat, thank you so much. And I know that we're going to be sharing your um, LinkedIn profile, your business. I encourage anybody on their leadership journey to, to reach out and connect with people like yourself. Because, again, really good content really good real life stories as well so ladies and gents if you enjoyed that make sure you hit subscribe on the youtube channel make sure you follow us on your podcast provider and um, we always like to hear when you see us across social media plant um, channels what your takeaways were, were from each of the episodes because everyone's different um Surat, thank you so much again for your time today thank you Stuart. and obviously if anybody has any feedback comments or disagrees with what i've said they can find me on LinkedIn and they can they can send me a message or follow me and let me know what they think. Yeah, excellent. So ladies and gents, see you all next week, Wednesday, 6 a.m. We'll have another amazing guest sharing their stories and expertise on leadership. Take care. Bye.